0: Steph and I did a, pre, a kind of a marriage course as well before we got married, and I want to recommend it. If you are on that path, it's just take the time to invest in what is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make, other than saying yes to Jesus, of course. So do that, Marriage by Design. It's a fantastic course. Please do sign up with that. Well, it's so, you know what? I love what God's doing in this place. I just love what the Lord is doing, and I want to just say it again. If you're here, you're not here by accident. Maybe you're visiting this morning. Can I I suggest to you that you're not here by accident, that God actually had a plan and a purpose for you to be here this morning? And I say that as a way of encouragement, and I say, as we often like to say here, welcome home. Welcome home. We want this to be a place where you feel at home, a place where you can grow and be all that God's called you to be. Uh, And so it's just so good seeing what the Lord's doing in this place. And I've been loving being in this REACH series And that's not because I've been speaking, Uh, it's because I just love what the Lord has been doing in these many weeks. And next week, just to give you a heads up, we are starting a brand new series. I am very excited. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we have some fantastic speakers they are going to be joining me over the coming weeks in the lead up and the culmination of Easter. So don't miss miss that series, it's going to be wonderful. And therein, of course, means that this is the last in the talks of our series on uh, extending our reach. And uh, if you were here last week, you would have heard me say uh, that we're speaking on money, the power of money and the place of giving over two weeks. And last week we looked at the different types of giving that there are, tithes, which is Giving back to God what he first gave us, our 10%, our first fruits, if you like. And that place that if we're committed to growing like Jesus, that we are committed to giving. And we unpack what that looks like. We looked at offering, which we can look at today, over and above your tithe. And then acts of righteousness. Those acts of love, you know, putting some money in an envelope and putting it in through someone's letterbox. That is such a liberating, wonderful thing to do. And what we did last week, we looked at um, the power of giving that it breaks the spirit of poverty, that feeling that you're always going to lack, that feeling of financial disaster, how by giving it breaks that spirit of poverty. We looked at how it positions us for his blessing, and we looked at how giving sets our hearts towards Jesus. And of course, if you missed that talk, you can catch up on a plethora of platforms now, including YouTube and Facebook and our app, of course. And so we're going to look at the second part of money and giving and look at the offerings but I want to just say what I did last week. I speak uh, on this subject, being sensitive and understanding where we are as a as a country and as a world, indeed, in terms of the financial climate around us. Um, you know, even since I last spoke, how much has petrol gone up? Um, yeah, I, mean, I got people going, oh, that's crazy, hey? Um, you know, things are still on the rise. We got our new en- energy pricing. My giddy aunt, honestly. I'm forever now doing this. Lights off, lights off. I actually don't like lights anymore. (laughs) Who needs lights? (laughs) Candles were invented for a reason. And it's very romantic as well, a candle. You can't get that on a 40-watt bulb (laughs) unless you've got a dimmer switch. But it's still not the same. You know, prices are going up. So, you know, I share this not saying "Uh, we should forget about that, But I proposed to you guys what I proposed last week, which is this. Now is the best time to be talking about finances. Now is actually the best time to get our houses in order, so to speak. Why? Because God has something to say about finances in our lives. And I shared with you that story, didn't I, about that moment in my life, in, in an environment of financial constraint, when by God's love, he opened up that conversation with my parents, which is, you know what? I'm struggling. I need some help. And for some of us, by engaging in this in this conversation and saying, okay, Lord, what have you got to say about finances? This is going to set you up for success. This is going to set you free from those issues that you experience and set you up for success. So um, we're going to look at the power of offering then. And as I said last week, an offering is over and above your tithe. It's a, it's a love offering. <clears throat> and The thing about an offering, it's not about how much you give, but it's always about your heart. You know, the reality is money, when we talk about money, it's always about the heart. God doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. (coughs) Do you think God needs our money? It says in the scriptures that he owns a thousand cows on a hill. I think that rather that's an underestimation, actually. I rather think it's more than that. He doesn't need our money, but you see, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. He is so jealous for us. He is so jealous for our hearts. And he knows the danger that money possesses. You know, money itself is a neutral thing, right? It's the love of money that's the issue, not money itself. And so the question we're going to ask ourselves this morning is this. Is our heart set on acquiring more or set on loving Jesus and extending his kingdom? Is our heart set on acquiring more or set on loving Jesus and extending his kingdom? Because the truth is, how you feel about offering reveals your heart and the answer to this question. By the way, I'm not saying I've nailed this. I haven't. I journey through this just like we all do. But nevertheless, sometimes the hard questions are the ones that bring the biggest fruit. So don't switch off. Due to cynicism, here goes the preacher asking for money. I'm not. This is God saying, I love you and I want your heart. You know, it says in the scriptures, doesn't it? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what? All these things, those things, what are these things? Those things that you need will be given unto you. Look at the birds of the air, how they fly, and they neither sow nor reap or store in barns, and yet how your heavenly father feeds them. How much more valuable are you to th- than those birds, right? And so here's the thing, if in your heart you're saying, you know what, yes, I want to live my life like that, that I love Jesus and choose to extend his kingdom, then I've got to give you some news. It requires sacrifice. We sang earlier, I surrender all to you. Correct? Surrender equals sacrifice. The Christian walk is not a walk of promises and easygoing. It is a Walk of picking up our cross, dying to self in order that we may have new life in him in abundance. That is the Christian message. And so therefore we have to, if you like, go head on with these things that a little bit make us go, oh, I don't want to sacrifice. But that is the place of growth in him. It's a kingdom activity. Talking about kingdom activities, what's very interesting is if you look at the place of offerings in the Bible, there is many times it is linked with the building of the temple. Did you know this? We can look at that in Exodus 35, 4 to 29. We're not going to have it on the screen, but you can make a note. This is when God called Moses to build the tabernacle. And do you know what Moses said? He said, right, everyone who is willing, this is very interesting, everyone who is willing, bring to the, the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, and all those things. An activity over and above your tithe, if you are willing. And it, this is it. You know, sacrifice is a choice that we make. God does not force us to sacrifice, He calls us to surrender, but we need to make a choice. What about um, if you read Ezra, the book of Ezra? So the, the Israelites have been in Babylon exile and they come out and they're going to build the, the temple again because it's been desecrated. And what do they do? They have an offering to build the temple. Same again. In the New Testament, lest you think I'm focusing on the Old Testament alone, churches gave to one another. I mentioned that last week. The churches in Macedonia were so generous to the churches in Jerusalem. So why do we see a link between offering, sacrificial giving, and God's temple and his churches? Let me tell you, this is the answer. The local church is the primary means by which God extends his kingdom on earth. What you are part of, we are the church. This is God's primary means by which we Reach and extend his kingdom to reach the lost. You know, our mission here, and I've said it most weeks, is to make Christ known. That doesn't change. Our mission doesn't change. Our values change. Don't change either. But the way in which we do that looks and feels a bit different. You know, our reach vision, have you all got one of these? You should have had one on your, on your chair. If you've got one, wave it to me so I know that you uh, have it in close proximity. Well done. This outlines everything we've been talking about over the past weeks. When we respond to the, to the Lord's challenge to extend our reach to reach the lost again, how do we do it? We do it by creating spaces and for people to... Well done. It was a little bit tepid, I'm not going to lie. But you knew the words, so it's progress. (laughs) Creating spaces and places for people to encounter Jesus. Why? Because we're extending his kingdom through the church. And therefore, the call of God upon us as a body of people is the same as it's been through thousands of years. If you're willing, if you're willing, let us bring in the gold and the silver and the bronze and let's do this thing. That's a colloquialism on the end. That wasn't in the Bible. So... I want to look at something now. How long have I got? Not long. That's fine. You know, you know God can stop the sun. He's done it before, so he's going to stop time for me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right. You know, we looked last week, didn't we, at the spirit of poverty. Now, this week, I want to look at its opposite. And it's the spirit of... Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Spirit of generosity. Absolutely. That is the opposite. And it's important to say from the get-go that when we speak of a spirit of generosity, we are not only talking about money. It is a way in which we live our lives. Let us look together at Luke 6, 37 to 38. You'll be on the screen, or if you're online, on your screen. It says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will will be put into your lap. Now listen to this. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We are called to be generous in how we see other people. We are called to be generous in how we forgive. We are called to be generous in how we give to others. And here is this amazing kingdom dynamic that the measure you use will be measured back to you. To be honest, I've seen this play out in my life when I've been judgmental about others. Why? Everyone judging me. When I've held back from others, it feels like the whole world is holding back from me. Have you seen that? You know, there's this famous book called The Secret, which is some book about what you attract in the universe. I mean, it's just putting words around what is a kingdom principle but they've done it without God in it. So, well, over to you if you want to do that. But you see, we are called to be generous towards people, and that includes our money. You know, we have to remember, guys, a bit of theology here for us. We have to remember that the enemy seeks to corrupt that which God created. The enemy can't create anything. He goes and corrupts what God has created. Are we all on the same page? And so a spirit of poverty is a corruption of the very image of God in us, all right? Conversely, a spirit of generosity is the outworking of the image of God in us. You following me? <laughs> is God generous? Therefore, are we called to be generous? Generous. For God sent his only son, that whomsoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's how generous our God is. That we have been created in his image. That is what a spirit of generosity is. It means simply to walk in the image that God created you in. It's to be like Christ. I mean, listen, everything in the Bible, everything that God speaks points to Jesus. A spirit of generosity means living our lives like Jesus. You know, as I said last week, the same God who says, do not be anxious, is the same God that says, give and be generous. We can kind of get our heads around the command to be, don't be anxious, can we be like, yeah, that makes sense, because I don't want to be anxious. But when he says something else, like, be generous, we're like, well, I'm not sure that's God, actually. <laughs> he wants my best when he talks about anxiety, but when he talks about money, I'm not sure God really understands my bank balance. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, I, we laugh, but I, I, I've thought this. How can I be generous, Lord? And we're going to look at that together. So before we look at how we can be generous, I'm going to look at, in a practical sense, let me give you, if you're not convinced already on generosity, I'm going to give you three reasons, I love three, three's good, why being generous is God's best for us. Okay, three reasons. Number one, it grows our faith. Let us turn together to 1 Kings 17, and we're going to read from uh, verses 8 to 16. It's going to be on the screen, uh, if you haven't got your Bible, um, and it'll be on on the screen at home as well. Now, this is in the Old Testament, and here Elijah has predicted that there'll be a drought because of the disobedience. And so we pick it up at the story where he meets a widow uh, in Serapheth. Let me read this. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, arise, go to Saraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to saraphath And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there, gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain again upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Wow, wow. What a great story of God's provision, but what a great story of one woman's faith in God. Listen, God calls me to be generous, and I have a bank balance with money in, and I know I've got an income, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. This woman had nothing. In fact, she was about to die because she had nothing, and yet she responded in faith. And what happened? And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. And God, you see, is faithful to his promise. The widow's food supply was what supernaturally extended, wasn't it? God always rewards faith. God doesn't reward recklessness. I want to make this point about money. I'm not saying go out there and just give it all away. And then you're like, Lord, I've got nothing. What are you going to do? <laughs> this was a... This was a obeying a word that the Lord through Elijah had given. So what I'm trying to say is when God prompts you by his spirit and when you feel that unction of the Lord to say, I want to give, then you obey that voice because it's in that place of faith that we walk in his blessings. You know, In fact, do we not know this famous verse, it is impossible to please God without faith. You want to please God, you sing songs when you please God, then there is an active response to that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all this will be given unto you. It is a promise. If we set our hearts on following Jesus and extending his kingdom, then God extends his hands to supply all our needs. That is how we've been created, the kind of relationship God has created for us to have with him, that we are completely dependent dependent on him. The lie of the enemy way back in the garden was you can be independent of God and that's when the problems come. But if we recognise that we're dependent on him, that's when the blessings come. You know, we're fond here of saying his faithfulness in the past gives us faith for the future. You see, the more that we can have that secret history with the Lord of his acts of faithfulness as we have been obedient, that builds your faith, what, for greater exploits, for bigger acts of faith. That is how God works in us and through us. You know, if we sign up to the vision, to extend our reach, to reach the lost, then we sign ourselves up to walking in faith, evidenced by obedience to God's calling on our lives. I can't say it any clearer than that. We're not playing games here at church, are we? There's eternal souls on the line. I mean, that's what we're, we're not here to play games. This isn't just, well, oh, we're a bit bored. What should we do? I know we'll have a vision. What a good idea. What should we do? I've got this catchphrase. I've been working on it for a while. Let's extend our reach to reach the lost. That is very good, Mark. <laughs> how are we going to do that? I don't know. Well, you know, there's a building there that is empty. Let's, cre- let's create a new space there. Nice. What about Hatfield? I hear there's a great coffee shop that could do with a new church there. Why don't we have a Hatfield site? Love it. That's not <laughs> how it plays out. It starts by this. Oh, my word, the time is short, and people are going to go to hell if we don't do something. I mean, that's why we're here, right? That's why we're extending our reach. Wow, you know what? I'm so blessed because I've experienced the love of God, his healing touch on my life. And there's people out there that are broken that need to know him. It starts from that awareness of the dynamic, of the spiritual reality that we are in, that we're here to extend God's kingdom. And then it all flows from that. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that you can't start here and say yes and then say, well, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to hide away. If we sign up to the vision to extend our reach to the reach of the lost, and we sign ourselves up to walking in faith, evidenced by our obedience to God's calling on our lives. Positions us for more is the second one. Listen, I'm going to only touch on this briefly because I I spoke about this, yes, last week, but I want to come at this from a slightly different angle. You know, I did a bit of research this week on, on water stagnation. I highly recommend it. It's a very interesting exercise. You just have to Google it, and you get a plethora of information. Um, I don't know why I threw in that French word. I'm obviously having way too much fun. Um, But water stagnation occurs when there is not free-flowing water, right? That's what happens. Stagnation occurs when it stops flowing, And you see, in the process of stagnation, the water becomes a perfect environment where decay kicks in. When the water becomes stagnant, it becomes the perfect environment for bad bacteria to go, and death, decay kicks in. And can I humbly suggest that if you stop being generous, then you start to stagnate. The moment you stop flowing the good gifts by his grace that he's given you for others, you start to stagnate. And what happens next? Decay sets in. I can't believe our neighbour got that new car. They're always buying stuff. But me, I've been holding on to my money tightly, being a good steward. And yet, look at them. Did you hear so-and-sos going on holiday again? I mean, I haven't had a holiday for months. You see, the decay is this, bitterness and envy. And the problem is, how do we respond? Tighter and tighter, more decay. The answer is walking in the image that God has created us in to be generous. Because it's in that place of flowing that we grow. Can you see how subtle the enemy is? Hold on tight because you haven't got much. He knows that the moment you do that, you start to stagnate and decay kicks in. You know Anne Frank, you know Anne Frank, the diarist who obviously died in the Holocaust. She said this, no one has ever become poor by giving. Just think about that. No one has ever become poor by giving. That is true, actually. I've thought about this a lot. Some of the most generous people I know just seem to grow so well, they're so healthy, and their outlook to life, they seem to be so jolly, have you noticed this, the generous people are the jolly people, and the ones that hold on, they just seem to be bitter, and envious, it's so true, number three, because time is short, third one, impacts lives around us now, and in the future, being generous impacts lives around us now, and in the future, let us look at 1 John 3, 16 to 18, be on the screen, by this we know love, that he laid down, who's he? Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What are we talking about? The place of sacrifice. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Oh, Jesus sometimes wished there were scriptures that didn't exist. No, no, seriously. Like, if you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you, as it talks about in 1 John again. It's like, really? What does that mean? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, listen, but in deed and in truth. You see, here's the thing about generosity. It flows from the love of Jesus. (laughs) It flows from an experience of his love. And as we experience his love and as we feel his love, generosity flows because we want others to love and know his love. But it isn't just about the now, friends. It's about the future impact. It's about leaving a lasting legacy. There are not many things in this world that gives us an opportunity to leave a legacy, but boy, extending his kingdom does. There's this amazing verse in the book of Joshua. They've just cro- promi- uh, crossed over in, from Jord- uh, into Jordan to the promise. They're about to go into the Promised Land, and they cross over. And it says in Joshua 4, 21 to 22. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? (laughs) Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. I love walking people around this building. They say, wow, who built this? Who impacted the thousands of people's lives that we do? The church gave sacrificially. The question for all of us is how are we going to respond to this amazing opportunity to extend his kingdom, to reach the lost, and to create a lasting legacy for people to say, look what God can do. I want to invite the band up as I end because as I said, I want to give some practical tips on how we can give. What are we asking for? What, what do we need to do as a church for this year? Well, we've created a new REACH fund. The REACH fund will fund all our activities every year. As I said, it's a vision for the next decade. And if you look at the back of your brochure that you all have, and you waved around at me earlier, you'll see on the back it says, How to Give. Um, but prior to that page, it says everyone gets to play, here we go, to, help, to begin the 2020 building work, which is next door, I've spent lots of time looking at that, we've interviewed people about that, so you can catch up, to finish this work off next door, to create an amazing uh, youth auditorium, uh, not just for Sundays, but all the work we do with our partners during the week, um, there it is on the screen, Wonderful. Uh, it's on this screen here, um, also for Ventureland and our SEND facility, we're going to need money to finish that off, everything costs... But equally, as we launched the Hatfield site, that's going to cost as well. So we're looking to raise £500,000 this year. Now, you might go, Whoa, hold the phone, Mark, that is a lot of money. It is. But can I remind us as a church, only recently we raised £2 million. How? Sacrificial giving. <laughs> okay, how can we do this as a church? How can we do this? Because everyone gets to play. It's not about, you know, John Wright, John and Debbie Wright are national directors of the movement, the Vineyard Movement in the UK. He said this very wisely. It's not about people giving equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. It's not about equal amounts because we can't, but it is about equal sacrifice. And I want to give us four ways in which we can respond. Number one, pray. Ask the question, Lord, what part do I play on this? What are you willing to give? I don't want to say, right, everyone here, we've got excellent. you know, we're a church of 1,500 people. Let's say we've got roughly 1,000 people that we connect with over a month. 1,000 divided by front, right. You all need to give 100 pounds a month. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what Moses says. If you are willing, bring in what you have. If you're willing. So ask the Lord, what am I willing, Lord? Lord, would you direct me? Number two, decide to make a plan. There is a big difference between good intentions and action. I know you all know this. You know, in my former life, way back, I used to be a project manager. I love a Gantt chart. Give yourself a Gantt chart. If you're wondering what it is, come and speak to me afterwards. Free training on Gantt charts. Good intentions is okay because it's a start, but it ain't going to get you where you need to get to. Number three, consider the cost. Even Jesus said this in Luke 14:28. He said, For which of you deciding to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begins to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. That's from Jesus, that is. What does that mean? I'll give you some practical tips if you want to give. And you say, Well, I've got no money, Mark. And I get it. We're all tired. I, I, I get this. We feel, the, we feel the pinch. We all feel the pinch. Ask yourself, how many cups of coffee do you have a week from Costa or Nero or your coffee place of choice? Coffee is what? 3 pounds thirty. Three, I did check. That's a latte, medium, not large. That's more expensive. Sorry, Sharon, what was that? 2 85 from the machine. There's a bargain right there. You just saved yourself some money. Thanks, Sharon. What are you going to do with the money you saved? Yeah, good one. <laughs> so let's say that you have three coffees a week that's about 10 pounds now what if what if you decide to have two coffees a week so you're sacrificing one coffee I've done my maths that works out 158 pounds a year what if you don't have one coffee correct it's not about the amount it's about equal sacrifice how many takeaways do you have maybe have one less a month you know, something that Steph and I are looking at, because we're part of this, we're, we're looking at how we give. You know, we got, we're we gonna try, you know, we got rid of Netflix. So we're gonna give, look at giving the money we give to Netflix every month. Maybe you're not gonna be able to get rid of Netflix completely, because that might be balmy. But what if you put on pause for two months? Do you know what? I'm gonna give 30 quid. Sacrifice. There's plenty of other creative ways, right? I want to make this as practical and as accessible for everyone so you can be part of leaving a lasting legacy and reaching the lost for Christ. It's not about the amount. And for some of us, we're all going to feel that. Ooh, you know that, oh, I felt a bit, oh. It's okay. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and it will all be okay. God will supply your needs. And lastly, commit and trust. Commit and trust. Philippians four nineteen And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <laughs> pray. I want you to pray. What part am I playing in this, Lord? Number two, decide to make a plan. Number three, consider the cost. On the back here, we have a pledge form. If you want to say, you know what? I'm going to pledge to so much so over the years. Then you can put this on the form. And if you want to put a regular give, put it on the form and can I just say this is not the tithe don't take your tithe and put it in the offering because then the church will fall over but it's it's not about keeping the lights on it's about recognising that our offering is above our committed giving to Christ this is actually not about giving out of what God gives us it's about that sacrificial giving out of what we have and next week or you can do this this week put this you can tear this off put it in the welcome box Next week, bring it if you want. But as a church, I want us to all respond and have our part to play. Why don't we stand as I pray and then we're going to worship. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would stand at the plate and take our place in the history of your church. I pray that none of us would miss out on this amazing opportunity to extend our reach to reach the lost. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to Be a generous church, as we have done for these past 35 years. I pray, Lord, that we would respond in faith. I pray, Lord, that as we do, that you would pour out more for each one of us. That as we open up our hands to give, you would place in our hands the more that we have been seeking. Oh, God, come. And I pray, Lord, already for those lives that will be impacted by our sacrifice. That you would bring them into your Your kingdom we pray. And with that, let us worship. Amen. Thank you, Lord.